I'm Duncan Sinclair, and this is Courage Incorporated. Would you call the person who runs your local favorite takeout place brave? Do you see the local business owner in your neighborhood as courageous, resilient, adaptive? Well, I hope so, because they are all of these things and more, and we depend on them to drive our economy forward. Canadians are relying on these small and medium-sized businesses to pull through. Before the pandemic, small and medium-sized businesses created employment for over 10 million Canadians and their families. It's critical for their livelihoods and for our country that we support these business owners and their employees. Now, in today's episode, I'm speaking with a leader whose organization advocates for these small and medium-sized businesses, who works to give them a voice every day. Laura Jones is the Executive Vice President and Chief Strategic Officer at the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. CFIB represents over 100,000 small and medium-sized businesses across the country and in every major sector of our economy. The CFIB surveys its membership and then uses these results to advocate on their behalf to governments across the country. They also provide members with a broad offering of tools, resources and supports At a time when the CFIB is one of the most visible advocates for business owners in our nation, leading the charge of ensuring that COVID-19 support programs hit the mark, Laura's leadership and skill set has been critical, and I'm very glad to have the chance to speak with her today. Hi, Laura. It's a delight to have you on with us today. You know, a key reason that that I think you've been so successful has been what you've been able to do around helping to get more Canadian emergency wage subsidies available for more businesses. You got the federal government to understand that we needed a different commercial rent relief program. The original one just was not being taken up by people. It wasn't working. And you've secured an increase in the loan amount as well as an increase in the forgivable portion for the Canadian emergency business account. And so maybe you could start by just telling us more about these changes that you were able to drive as an organization and how were you able to influence getting those changes made? Yeah, it's been a big, big job. One of our strengths as an organization has always been that we're a very grassroots organization. So it isn't what Laura thinks about public policy or what our president thinks or or what our senior staff think. It's really what small businesses need and think about public policy. And we're very in touch with them in a number of ways, including regularly surveying them and also talking to them regularly through our helpline and through our renewals, which we typically do non-pandemic time in person. So even though we have over 100,000 members, we're really connected to those members. And very early on in the pandemic, we realized that um, small businesses were going to be very affected by this and needed help. And when the federal government came out with, for example, the 10% wage subsidy, it was so clear that that wasn't going to be nearly enough. And we looked at what other countries were doing in Europe and I was just not even touching the needs of business owners. So we basically, in partnership with our members, we're hearing from them regularly and getting that information directly into governments. In early in the pandemic, we were surveying every week and we were putting together the surveys for small businesses. They were going out Friday night 
And by Sunday morning, we would have over 10,000 responses from our members across Canada. And then we were putting them together very quickly. And I understand that they were going into cabinets across Canada by Monday, Tuesday uh, afternoon. And we were regularly talking to finance officials, um, not just at the federal level, but at the provincial level and um, getting those results into people so they really could understand what it was that small businesses need. And, and were there things that you wanted that you weren't able to get? One program that was particularly frustrating was the rent program because month after month we were saying, and I was on the front lines of that one every month doing press releases um, saying, you know, there's another first of the month coming. Still, there's no rent relief in place. And when we finally did get some rent relief, it was really complicated and it helped some businesses, but it really was very problematic for others because it depended on the landlord participating. So, and in some cases, the landlords just weren't able to or, or didn't want to participate um, in the rent relief program. So then we had a whole uh, other fight on our hands, uh, which was to change the rent program, which again, ultimately we, we were successful in doing. And the program we have is much better than the program we started with, but there's still problems and there's still things that we're working on with all the programs. Um, there's still gaps. One of the big gaps is that if you uh, started a business in March or April of the pandemic, there's not much uh, in the way of help for you because you don't have anything to compare your revenue to. We think there's an easy fix to that, but um, yeah. And how would you fix it? Uh, well, I would say just just use an, an you know for for those newer businesses that started. What we're recommending to government is just use an industry average comparison of revenues. So if the revenue loss on average for restaurants is thirty uh, percent in that province, use that as your as your comparison for eligibility for the various programs. Because a business that started in March, April, May, they weren't going into it thinking they were going to be starting in a pandemic. They'd already had their financing in place. They probably, you know, if they if they were have a physical location, they've got a rent agreement. They already had made these investments. So it wasn't like they had chosen to start during the pandemic. And so we think it's really unfair that that group of businesses has been shut out of any support. And I guess, Laura, you know, you're, you're helping to, to illustrate how important it is for your organization to educate government to be able to change. What have you learned as the CFIB and what have you had to change as a result of the pandemic? Oh my gosh. I mean, I think like everyone, we had to just think differently about what we were doing. The speed, everything sped up for us. So, you know, typically we might do, you know, one or two surveys a month. We were doing weekly surveys that we were turning around, uh, you know, really, really fast. Uh, we started doing policymaker briefings with those survey results on Monday morning so we could get them out efficiently to everyone. Our helplines were overwhelmed. You know, typically we, we take about 40,000 calls from small businesses across Canada. We've had tremendous volumes on our helpline. We've had almost double that. So we're close to 80,000 calls and how to keep serving members well, how to keep serving small businesses and getting them the information they need in a timely way became a challenge for us. So we started doing weekly webinars because, you know, we felt like, okay, serving businesses one at a time, we'll continue to do that, but let's get groups of them in. And, you know, we'll often have close to a thousand business owners a week um, attending our webinars just to hear what are the latest changes with these government programs and just to help them navigate the alphabet soup of um, programs that are out there. And, you know, not all of them easy to navigate. So government has been quick in getting things out, but of course, 
The language isn't always easy to understand. And sometimes governments are working out answers to the questions that business owners have in real time. So, you know, we're getting those questions from business owners and then we're getting them into government and then we're trying to get that information back out to business as quickly as we can. So that it's been a challenge for us. And we've like everyone, I think we've sped up and we've innovated. Well, and certainly depending upon what part of the country you're in, there's different levels of the lockdown that people are going through. But certainly all businesses have been disrupted, uh, certainly for going on the last year. And there's been a lot of really difficult stories that we've heard about longstanding businesses that have closed or people that have had to to move out of the, the places that they were renting. Yeah, I know I remember one of the surveys that you did back in November of 2020 where you talked about close to half of your small business members reported that they were suffering from some kind of stress or mental health issue as a result of this. And I remember reading some comments that the CFIB president, Dan Kelly, talked about in the Toronto Star that, you know, our calls are becoming darker. And could you just sort of tell us what that meant? Yeah, so it's funny, like stress wasn't even something that we would have on a a typical survey um, for small business owners. But of course, immediately it became obvious that that was a problem. And when we we ask very regularly, what are your top concerns with the pandemic? And over half of members consistently, um, right from the beginning, have said overwhelming stress is personal stress is one of their concerns. And, you know, when we talk about the calls getting darker, one of the things we've had to help our own staff with is that it's not just the increase in call volumes, but how emotional those calls are. Their livelihoods are on the line. So we hear things like, It feels like my life's work is circling the drain. These are the kinds of things that we hear from business owners. Of course, customers don't see that because when you walk into a business owner or you're doing, even if you're doing takeout or whatever, you're going to see a smile and a a friendly sign and a great to see you. Business owners aren't putting their stress on display for everyone, but boy, is it ever there. And we've even had, you know, a... We don't we don't typically take suicide calls, but we've had you know, we've had a handful of those, too, over the past um, year. So the calls are are darker in the sense that people are really struggling. And I think everybody's struggling in their own way. But for business owners, their livelihoods are on the line. And when you think about what that means, you know, that's how you feed your family. That's pretty that's pretty big. No, there's no there's no question about that. I mean, when you're when you're getting these kinds of calls, you've talked about the impact on your people. But but in terms of just like, you know, what are you having to change or do to sort of respond or help your people respond to these kinds of calls coming in? Well, we've had to adjust, you know, like everyone, we're, you know, we're, we're having to do more with less and we've had to adjust our organization um, in terms of some of our staffing. But one of the areas where we have actually increased staffing is the helpline um, because we know it's so important and we've opened it up to not just to um, members of CFIB, but also to non-members because we feel like that's something important we can do for the small business community at large. So we've shifted some staff onto those helplines. That's one of the things we've done. Um, but the other thing we've done is really try to be thoughtful about not just encouraging our own staff to pump through more and more and more volume um, because they hit a breaking point and then they're just they're off the phone lines. They can't do it anymore. Um, so we're rewarding not just doing more and more volume, but we're trying to find ways to reward a little bit of self-care and that's also important for the people they're serving. When that those counselors are answering the phone, we want those counselors to really be there and to be as at their best as you can be, given the challenging times we're all in. 
And that, and that sounds like great advice for all business owners, to just no matter what the size of your business, the empathy and the humanity of, you know, how are you looking after yourself? How are your people looking after themselves? And that's a great insight that I think all of us can take away. One of the questions I'd have for you, Laura, is, is are Canadians, are consumers doing enough to actually support the small businesses in their community? I think everyone's struggling and people are struggling in different ways. Are consumers doing enough? I think there are lots of consumers who are really going out of their way to support local businesses in any way they can. And do I think there's more we can do? Yes. I think that sometimes the online giants and the big box stores are a default and um, they're an easy default. So I, I, I get it. But I think we're really encouraging consumers to be really conscious and, and to remember that you're not too small to make a difference. Every sale makes a difference to business owners. They know their customers' names and they're happy to see new customers. So supporting them where you can, I think, is really, really critical. Our surveys are showing only a quarter of small businesses across Canada are back to normal revenue. Think about that. 75% of businesses below normal revenue. And that has big implications for our communities because small businesses are employers. They support the local soccer team. And there's also another contribution that they make that's hard to put into words that is around being kind of the connective tissue of our communities. You remember early in the pandemic when we all thought this was going to be two weeks and walking around some of those neighborhoods and the sense of shock when you, you know, the, all the businesses were closed. And one thing that, at least for me, that kind of softened that sense of shock a little bit were all the signs in the small business windows to our valued customers. For the sake of our community, for the health of our customers and our employees, we will be closing for two weeks. Unfortunately, a year, almost a year later, we're still, we're still thrashing around with this. It wasn't two weeks, but those signs that businesses continued to put up, I, I think they've been really important to our communities as a way of communicating with each other that we're in tough times, but it's going to be okay. Well, and that's a really, that's a really great sort of illustration of one of the things that I personally find really inspiring about, you know, so many of the independent business owners that I know, owners of small and mid-sized businesses, which is they have sort of an inherent optimism. You know, when you think about an entrepreneur, they say, I see a need, here's an opportunity. And, you know, it's sort of like, I know if I build it, I will get people to come. And that kind of belief in the future, belief in, in the opportunity is one of the things that I think is just a wonderful part of, of this whole community. And so as you sort of think about the people that you're dealing with and with your members, realizing how difficult times are right now, are there some examples that come to your mind of some businesses that you think have been particularly courageous in how they've been able to transition through this pandemic period? And what do you think we can all learn from these businesses? I think I think every business owner is courageous. I admire I admire the courage of small business, even pre-pandemic. It was one of the reasons I love the job that I'm in. Um, and during the pandemic, it's just come out in spades. But I think you're right about that optimism. And one of the signs that early on, I, I don't know, something about the signs that business owners were posting really grabbed me. And one of the ones I took a picture of was, this was very early on in the pandemic, after every storm comes a rainbow. And I think that that kind of optimism is what you're talking about. And that is something that has been a light, I think, for our communities. 
But it doesn't mean that times haven't been very, very tough for business owners. And we're in a position, I think, where we're privileged as an organization that um, supports business to see them let some of their hair down on our phone lines or on our, you know, on our webinars and share some of the more stressful uh, moments. And we're, we're kind of almost happy they can share some of that with us um, because they have to put their best foot forward for their customers. Um, But I think that never give up, never go away, which is sort of the informal motto of CFIB as well. um, Attitude that business owners have is something we can all learn for because sometimes it isn't. There's a, a quote that I love that goes something like courage doesn't always roar. Sometimes it's that just getting up and doing it again, basically, um, that is very courageous. And I think we all we all need some of that in the pandemic. And, and certainly, you know, as, as we continue to look at the news and as we continue to hear different provinces and different governments responding in different ways and, the, and how much we're either opening up or locking down different parts of the country. I know that, that the CFIB has been urging provinces to consult on ways to safely allow more reopening of our economy. And as we look to balance public safety and the tensions of that and reopening and some of the challenges we're seeing around new variants arising and when vaccines will be available, what are your members saying to you about this sort of balance of safety and reopening? And and what do you think the right answer is for us? Well, I'm not going to presume to have the right answer on the health side, but I'll make a couple of observations. You know, I think that different provinces have handled this very differently. So I'll compare Ontario and British Columbia, and we're dealing with the same virus here. So in British Columbia, there's been an effort to keep things as open as reasonably possible, but with, you know, obviously with distancing, with masks, with, you know, with following protocols. And I think there's been a real effort to say, where are the cases coming from? And um, let's, you know, make sure that we're really focused on that. So if the cases aren't coming from hairdressers, let's keep the hairdressers open as an example. And I, th- I think that's really really important and been a very good approach. I think in provinces like Ontario, you've seen some lockdowns that have people scratching their their heads, honestly. You know, when people don't understand why, that's when you also get a lot of frustration with the rules. And, you know, when the rules are reasonable and you kind of understand why, that's when you get higher compliance. So I think that that's something to pay attention to. On the economic side, I mean, we've been more preoccupied with the health crisis for understandable reasons. But we are a smaller economy than we were a year ago. And we are an economy right now that is heavily dependent on government subsidies. Here's a sobering stat. 70% of small businesses are saying that their being open is dependent on government subsidies right now. That's not sustainable for, I mean, we don't know how long we can continue like that, but businesses have to get back to making sales and get off subsidies because government, we can't all be government employees um, forever. So I think that this is a real transition and something we're going to have to figure out. How are we going to get our economy back and running? You know, likely before we're able to sort of declare complete victory over this virus because we don't know when that's going to be. As, as I think about that, and as I think about, as you say, sort of where we need to go next, why, why don't we just take a moment and sort of think about the next? Because we will get people vaccinated. We will be able to start to open our economy. I think you're right that the pace of that is still uncertain. And I think that uncertainty is one of the real challenges that weighs on everybody's mind right now. But what do you think are some of the major issues that different small businesses and different sectors are going to face 
as we get into a period of recovery? Is it taxes? Is it debt repayment? Is it easing of regulation? What's some of your advice for post-pandemic, how we're going to help small business really thrive and accelerate into the future? Well, one thing that I'm not sure people are as fully understand is that even if sales come roaring back, there are still a lot of businesses that will be feeling quite fragile. And that's because of the debt that they took on in order to get to this point, in order to keep their business in business to this point. And so that's over a hundred thousand dollars on average for some that's much more. And that's something we're hearing about. You know, I talked to my hairdresser about this and he's got a great business, you know, loyal customers, longstanding business. His customers adore him. And I was surprised to hear him say, I don't know if we're going to make it. Like we're worried about outrunning the debt we had to incur in order to get to this point. And so I think as we look at public policy, we need to think about how can we help businesses with that piece of it. And it may be that we need to do, particularly for those sectors that have been very affected, that we need to do more forgivable loans and that we need to have some uh, some debt forgiveness uh, for those businesses. Certainly, we need to keep taxes reasonable and certainly we need to keep uh, regulations uh, reasonable and keep red tape to a minimum. Those are also like key basic ingredients. Are there some silver linings out of this pandemic? Are there some things that small businesses that will have come through it will have learned about? Has it caused people to become more creative? Has it caused people to be more innovative in the way they think about what business needs to look like or how to be more virtual? Do you, do you see from your members examples of you know what they're going to be able to learn from this to actually help them be more successful and better post the pandemic? Yes, I think the silver lining for many businesses is just the push to be more creative. So you look at businesses that were really not on the cutting edge of being technologically kind of with it because they didn't need to be a dance studio, for example. You know, the classes are all in person and they had older fashioned systems for dealing with people. And then COVID hits and all of a sudden, how are you going to make this work? And you have to do your classes by Zoom. And actually you're finding, hey, we can reach different audiences. We can do different things with this platform. Uh, so we've heard a lot of that. There's a, just a ton of businesses who've gotten online as a result of this and, and many of them having success. It's not easy. Um, and many of them are struggling with that. But uh, there are some that have really said this has actually been great for our business. Some of them have completely remade their model. I think of the business owner, restaurant owner who decided to turn her business into a grocery store early in the pandemic. She was like, I, I can't do a restaurant anymore. I'm going to be an essential. I need to be an essential business. And how do I, how do I become a grocery store? So there was also some of that. So as you think about how business will evolve post the pandemic, how do you see the CFIB continuing to evolve sort of over the next five years in, in a post pandemic world? Our founder, you know, it's interesting because we're, we're celebrating our 50th anniversary this year. Of course, that's going to look a little different than what we uh, originally uh, might have imagined, too. But 50 years ago, our founder had the insight that business owners really needed a voice. His big fight for small business was around taxes. So at the time, there was a proposal to tax small businesses that effectively double the rate that bigger businesses uh, would face. 
And um, he rallied business around that. And he understood that it was really important for businesses to have a voice in the public policy decisions that affect them. And I think that that has not changed. The pandemic has put a spotlight on that importance because unlike other you know, hits to the economy, on this one, small businesses have really borne the brunt of a lot of the, you know, the economic uh, pain of it. And so they're going to continue to need that voice in the many, many public policy decisions that affect them going forward. So that really hasn't changed. And I think uh, as we recover, just making it clear to our decision makers, you know, what's at stake and um, the important contribution that businesses make and also how they're doing and what they need. That's going to continue to be as important as it's ever been, if not more important. And, and just again, to understand the impact of the CFIB, if, if some of the things I've read, you'll correct me on this, but it's close to 95% of your members have less than 50 employees. Like it, it really is about the the entrepreneurial businesses that are in that first early stage of growth that you know, employ so many millions of Canadians and support their families every day. It's, it's a wonderful organization that you're a part of. Yeah, it's um, independently owned and operated businesses um, in Canada that are eligible for membership. And the vast majority of them have, um, you know, fewer than fewer than 10 employees in our membership. But, you know, you can be bigger than that to be a member. And we have many uh, great members who are. But it's the independent. We like to say we represent the non-stock market economy. And my mother was actually a member of CFIB. I hadn't even heard of the or I called her one day to tell her, oh, I'm, I've applied for a job at the at the Canadian Federation. I didn't even get to federations. She said, CFIB, they're a great organization. And I was like, well, what the heck? How have you even heard of them? And I, I said, well, you know, uh, what do you think so great about them? And because she was a business owner herself for many years, she'd retired at this point. But she said, you know, they give my business a voice. And the second thing she loved was the personal visit. Um, which we do. She said, I could talk to CFIB about things I couldn't tell my suppliers or my employees or my customers. Um, I could sort of conf- let my hair down and confess, you know, kind of, or talk about some of these things I was worried about. And I, I think we've been very privileged during this pandemic to be in that, in that position when business owners really need, um, you know, they can call us to just talk on our helpline. Now, Laura, one of the things I've read is that, that you believe that it's great to have sort of like a challenge for the year. And so I'm curious, sort of, what is your personal challenge for 2021? And what would you want to challenge all the people listening to this podcast to do to to make a better country, a better world for for independent business in 2021? You know, we asked our our members, um, what would you like to tell your customers is one of the questions we asked when we were thinking about what kind of poster we would want for a campaign about support local. And the number of business owners that expressed some thanks, gratitude, and, you know, the poster we ended up with came from a business owner and it said, thank you. We survived with your support, which I thought was so great. But I think my challenge for 2021 is how do we continue to express gratitude? How do we continue to thank each other for the things we do, whether it's uh, taking the time to to choose a local business online rather than, you know, going to a, a default sort of big box option or just, you know, smiling at each other on the street with our eyes if we've got our mask on. Um, but how do we continue to express gratitude in tough times? So that's my challenge for 2021. And so, Laura, when a, when a young entrepreneur comes to you and says, well, Laura, you've built a career 
in helping small businesses succeed. What does it mean? What is your definition of having the courage to go out and be a leader in a community, be a leader in the world of small business? What would you say to them? I think sometimes leadership is such a big loaded word. Like, what does it mean to be a leader? Like that somehow means that you're doing something really glamorous or people are talking to you regularly or you're, um, I don't know, you're some kind of celebrity. And I always think that the small business owners out there really are my heroes because it does take a lot of quiet courage just to get up and do things with gratitude, do things for your community, do things for the right reasons. And so I think that's really what leadership is. Is like finding your North Star and what doing the right thing is and getting up and, and doing it every day and trying to do it with some positivity, trying to make a positive difference in the world in some way, shape or form. That to me is leadership. And it doesn't always have to roar to go back to that quote, it doesn't always have to be in your face. And one of the things that small business owners do so well is they're often not the celebrated ones that are interviewed on television or but nonetheless, you know, the contribution they make is so, so important to the fabric of our society. So if I were to summarize what I've heard today, it's about the quiet courage of the entrepreneurs that employ our country and move it forward. That's right. And what, where would we be without them? Think about that for a minute. If you don't think they make a, a contribution. Well, Laura, this has been an absolutely wonderful conversation. You've been really generous with your time. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Courage Incorporated. I hope you took something away from today's episode. Perhaps greater appreciation for the small business owners that make our communities what they are. Maybe it's how with hope and courage, we can strive to find better days ahead. Maybe you'll make the choice to buy local tonight. Whatever it is, consider sharing it with your friends and colleagues or including your feedback in a rating and review. We'll be back in your podcast feed soon. Until then, stay safe and be courageous. Your country needs you.